you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Through confirmation, we uh, really had two primary uh, focuses. Foci, foci, right? We uh, did the story of God, the story of us, where we looked at the broad sweep of scripture, and then we, towards the end, looked at the Apostles' Creed, uh, this uh, confession of faith that we give every week. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe, that this, we say it a lot, right? How often do you stop and think about what those words are saying and what they mean? We asked the confirmands, and they admitted a fairly high level of engagement with the words, uh, thinking about what they mean. I think probably higher than I would be honest to say. Uh, it can at times become a rote thing, right? This is, this is what we believe. Um, the words are quite profound, though, if you think about what all we are confessing to believe. Every... Uh, phrase heaps upon another uh, uh, these large claims of our faith. Um, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Just in that little phrase, uh, you're announcing first that you believe something, that there is God who exists in some form of relationship to be called the Father, that this God has might, that this God creates things and that the, the two uh, categories of creation are heaven and earth. How many of you have thought about what it means to create heaven and earth? If you're like me, most of your, your life you pictured heaven as this cloudy place where God hung up and did his puppet master things, right? That uh, long bearded floaty God was up in heaven and we're down here on earth. That's at least how Charles Schultz draws it in the cartoons and people in the paper do it, right? That's how uh, the, the things I saw growing up pictured heaven. And then earth was always the uh, post-Galileo round spherical earth, right? Blue with lots of water and uh, looks much like our globe. But what is heaven and what is earth? I'd like to offer a working definition that I think holds true and doesn't get me in, in any trouble of heresy. I'd like to suggest that heaven is where God dwells and earth is where humanity dwells. Uh, the Bible Project supports me in this. They've made a whole video that, that, that this is the case. Heaven is where God dwells and earth is where humanity dwells. In the beginning of the story, we hear that God created the heavens and the earth. It, before that, it was formless and void. Tohu vavohu in the Hebrew. There's nothing. And then God makes the heavens and the earth. And for at least part of the story, heaven and earth overlap. God dwells with humanity. The, the story right 
right after the fall talks about them uh, in the cool of the garden, God coming to find humanity. But the next thing that happens is there seems to be a separation in the dwelling place of God and humanity. God is somewhere different than humans. He banishes them from the garden and we don't exactly know, we, we don't have a, uh, a artist rendering of what heaven then looks like, do we? We uh, seem to have a picture of God out there away. God is out hearing the cries of humanity. He has to come near whenever he steps into the story. At some points, God's dwelling place actually becomes the Ark of the Covenant and he journeys along with Israel in this little box while still also being outside the box. But heaven and earth don't overlap. Eventually, God takes on flesh in Christ. He lives and teaches. He makes disciples. He tells us what it means to be his people. And ultimately, he dies, is resurrected, and pours out his spirit. Now, this is where the picture starts to get hard to, to draw if you're an artist. If heaven is the dwelling place of God and earth is the dwelling place of humanity, what happens when God's spirit begins to dwell with humanity? There begins to be currents of heaven running throughout earth. There are little drops of the divine right in the midst of the profane. I think today's passage is getting at the tension that exists in that. We know at the end of the story, heaven is going to come down and heaven and earth are going to be perfectly overlapped. There will be no difference. The dwelling place of God will be completely the dwelling place of humanity. There will be no more sun because there is no more need for light because the radiance of God will shine brightly. But until then, we have this tension that heaven and earth are sorted together, but they're not fully together. That God is here, but things are also surely not right. I think Jesus is using uh, this imagery, this parable of the weeds and the wheat to get at the fact that this is our reality. He talks about uh, planting a field of wheat and then uh, people coming in the night and planting weeds in the midst of it. If you use the flowers that Sarah brought, it's easy to tell the difference between a daisy and a dandelion, right? Uh, if you're from the country, you know what a dandelion looks like the second it starts to pop up. You can root that thing out or you can spray some Roundup on it, right? Grass safe Roundup or whatever it is. Um, but if you're a first century Palestinian, you cannot tell the difference between weed and wheat, between wheat and tares. They look identical until the very end when they, when they blossom. This weed is actually believed to be poisonous. That just a, a flake of this uh, particular weed, this rye, would get into your wheat. It would ruin the batch and could actually harm you. 
And so how do you deal with weeds growing up in the field that then blossom into something dangerous at the end of its life cycle? Do you go out there and pull them up and pull up the nice flowers like Michael did for Sarah this morning? That's what happens when I pull weeds, right? I pull up a tomato bush, I knock the whole thing over. We can't keep anything alive with the best of technology. What do you do? Our instincts are to pull things up to get the bad out, to preserve the good. And the parable says that the master tells them, no, just leave them. In the end, once everything is harvested, we'll get it to the threshing floor and then we'll separate it. It's, it's going to be a later process, not a now process. Because parables are confusing and even in Jesus' day, they didn't always get them. They say, hey, can you explain this one to us? And Jesus says, sure, let me tell you about it. Here's the deal. I'm sowing wheat. You Those who are part of the kingdom of heaven are wheat. And Satan is sowing weeds. He's sneaking in in the the dark of night and sowing something toxic in the midst of something good. And, And the question is, so what do we do about it? The disciples' instinct is always to root out anything that is not, uh, good or not of Jesus. And Jesus says, don't worry about it. That ultimately the angels are going to come do this harvest. I'm going to separate the good from the bad. Your job is to be wheat. The church uh, has regularly lived in the tension of there being weeds and wheat together. We've lived where uh, clearly things don't look like they should. Our, our world uh, is very evident that there are weeds everywhere. But if we're honest, there are weeds right in the midst of the church too. There have been seasons in the life of the church where we need to root out all the bad. Let's get it out of here so we can be pure. You should hear pure as a dangerous word. It has gotten the church in trouble uh, through many uh, centuries. When the church tries to be pure, she usually becomes a weed a tool of evil and a tool of harm. If I could paraphrase this text for you, a Chad Foster, non-literal, non-wooden translation, it would be this. Hey, y'all, I'm in charge. I got this. Y'all who are part of my kingdom are beautiful, fruitful wheat. The devil is sowing some really bad evil in the midst of what we're doing. And I've got this. Right now, all you've got to do is be good wheat. Make sure that you are not a weed. Be wheat, and I've got this. I don't want to be the, weed in this, the wheat in this story, right? If I read this on the first reading, I want to be the harvester. I want to be the one separating things apart and deciding who is good and who is bad, right? 
Uh, we like to declare that we are pure and righteous and the other people have it wrong. And man, does it cause harm. If you take any poll from non-Christians and ask them what they think about the church, there are two things, that we are judgmental and hypocritical. That's universally at every turn, that is uh, what they say. Uh, we cast uh, judgment on their behavior and we're hypocritical. What, what that means is that uh, we act like we're perfect and tell them not to do something and then we are imperfect and do something. When we mistake our role to be the harvester, it's really easy to get judgmental. And frankly, it's really easy to be hypocritical. I've been in some form of ministry now for 20 years. And the number of times I've gotten out of my lane and been the harvester instead of the wheat is embarrassing. Um, I, I need to go back and make amends with some youth for ways in which I, um, I caused them harm by trying to harvest instead of journeying along as wheat. I think back especially to 2005, there's this uh, student named Mason who uh, was on the fringe of our youth group, uh, a little bit of a, a different spirit uh, than most, and who was just barely uh, dipping his toe in the waters of faith. Would say, I don't really believe this, but I like some of these people, they're my friends from school. So he kept coming, and he hung out with the kids who were in our band, um, and he kept showing up. He invited a lot of these kids to be in his music video for his senior project. Uh, I don't know if they still do this, but back when I was uh, back doing youth ministry, you had a capstone project your senior year where you had to like do research and produce something and then present it. He made a music video. This is back when you couldn't edit videos on your iPhone. You had to like use VCRs and punch <laughs> buttons. Uh, it was a lot different back then. You couldn't do a TikTok Sunday school on your phone. Um, and he worked for weeks and weeks making this music video of a Sufjan Stevens song that had one cuss word in it. And he showed it to these students and uh, almost universally they loved it. But one student was really uncomfortable with the fact that there was this cuss word. I turned right into harvester mode and laid into Mason about how he did this thing that's causing this person harm and hurting them and they're upset and handled it in a way that drove him out of the church. And I'm relatively sure he has not stepped foot in the door again. And do you know what also happened? Some of his friends who were part of the church saw how we treated him and it wasn't just me. There was a team effort in hurting this boy's feelings. Some of those friends who were absolutely wheat walked away with them. It is so easy to step out of our lane and to try to be the harvester, to become the arbiter of what is good and what is bad. Uh, Billy Graham always said that it was his job to love and God's job to judge. That's the the end of this parable is Christ saying, I've got the judgment part. You be wheat. Being wheat looks like those things we talked about in confirmation. It looks like 
loving God and loving others. It looks like bearing the fruits of the Spirit. What is it? Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's not a coconut. Um, It looks like embodying the Beatitudes, desiring righteousness, desiring holiness, being meek. All these things that look different than what it means to be a harvester and to be judgmental. My prayer is that I stay in my lane as wheat. Um, It's easy for me to turn judgmental. It's easy for me to turn, um, I know what's right. Um, I'll admit, I read the comments when people uh, post that they're worshiping with Andover online. And uh, Georgia Stamper uh, had some friends coming on her post and she said, uh, they were talking about my sermon and she said, he's the most compassionate person I know. Friends, I hope to live into that. I think wheat is compassionate. And it's not our instinct because we live where heaven and earth aren't fully overlapped yet. We're waiting for the days when God's presence dwells fully in our midst, where there is no more pain and suffering, where there is no more sin and sorrow. But while we live in this in-between, may we remember that we are to be wheat be incredible, fruitful, abundant wheat. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, for the ways in which we have tried to be the harvester, we repent. Have mercy and forgive us. For the ways in which we have been weeds and allowed what the devil sows to grow and hold, we repent, have mercy, and forgive us. Lord, pour out your spirit and your grace in abundance that we might flourish as your wheat, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven in the midst of of the kingdom of earth. Lord, it seems like the weeds are banging down the door to this field. This world so desperately needs to see your church be full of wheat. Lord, we're thankful for the ways in which you have been faithful, the ways in which you are faithful, and the ways in which you will be faithful. We love you. We praise you. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen and amen.